At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Um, I want to be sure to give you a call-in phone number in case you're listening and you'd like to um, call in and ask a question of either Dr. Dupree or our guest this afternoon. And that number is 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And uh, please be sure to check out our website womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, um, where we have our lineup of all the guests that are coming on the show and lots of other good stuff going on. Um, and, of course, I want to give a thank you to Holy Redeemer Health System, our core sponsor, who um, really is a big supporter of the show and allows us to be here every week. So I'm thrilled to have two women with me in the studio today. I always love You're to not have. alone. I'm not alone. I'm looking out by myself out the, out the windows here. And we are post-Pope here in Philadelphia. We've survived. We and survived. thank God he got back on the plane safely. I was I, uh, yeah, very happy that Philadelphia was able to keep him secure because that was a little concern for a lot of people. It was. And it, there's for me, there's this sense of relief that everything went, you know, the way it was supposed to. And people, there were great stories. There's a lot of great um, inspirational stories out there of people that were able to attend and took something away uh, from the weekend. We, we flew in Saturday night to the airport and it was seven o'clock at night and it felt like I was coming coming in on the red eye because nobody was in the airport at all. It wow. was it was like a dead zone because everybody was at the, the city was kind of shut down for the pope. We yep. got on 95 north and all the exits are closed, so it was like a straight shot to Bucks County. I said it was very eerie, like it was kind of crazy. Yeah, they said that about Philadelphia. It looked like a movie set. And it was really cool because the full moon was coming up and the bridge was lit right. up and it was all very popish, but it was yeah, very cool. It was. It was wonderful. Um, so we do have today Dr. Beth Dupree with me in the studio, and we also have um, a wonderful guest. Her name is Suzanne Foster, and Suzanne is Vice President and General Manager for Medtronic Advanced Energy. And Medtronic is among the world's largest medical technology services and solutions companies um, that's main focus is to alleviate pain, restore 
restore health and extend life. So, Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. We're going to um, get into all types of topics, but I, I want to start off with, with Beth, um, who has some information for us about a new blog at Holy Redeemer Health System. It might not be a new blog, it's, but it's a, it's a con- something It's a concurrent blog, but uh, I've been asked by our um, public relations officer, Marlo, to... Uh, hi, Marlo. Re- hi, Marlo. If you're listening, you better be, um, to really kind of touch on some of the, the important topics for breast care. And my, uh, my first one for the month of October, I call the pink stink, because we do so much with the pink ribbon and... and the pink ribbon awareness, but what I want women to really be aware of is what what you need to know about your breast health. Um, I did a breast health blog for September, which is still online, but the month of October, I started out by looking at advanced imaging and looking at why um, you know women should be showing themselves the love, showing themselves that they care about themselves by making sure that they get their appropriate screening studies. Um, mammograms and advanced imaging don't prevent breast cancer, and Patients will get their mammograms every year, and then someone will come to the office and say, but I've gotten my mammogram. How could I get cancer? Mm-hmm. And I remind them, mammograms don't prevent breast cancer from occurring. They help prevent people from dying from breast cancer. Because when you can find something in the preclinical phase or before you can feel it, it's much more um, able to be treated. And so what I try to get everybody to understand is that, you know, we now have phenomenal advanced imaging. We have 3D tomosynthesis. We have um, automated breast ultrasound, which we use for patients with very dense breasts. And the, the third thing is women that are at extremely high risk, their doctors would tell them that they should also be getting MRI screenings. And so all of these put together with a clinical breast exam by your doctor, and I am a proponent of monthly breast self-exam because 20% of cancers we don't find on imaging studies because there are areas of the breast that really aren't able to be viewed easily with a mammogram or an ultrasound unless you can feel it or the MRI. So women should still be doing their monthly breast self-exam, and if you feel something, Even if your imaging is negative, you need to follow through and see your doctor. And so that's what really the the, the blog is about. Um, The pink stink is just kind of, it's enough about the pink. Let's get out and shout, you know, shout through, you know, to the rooftops, to all of your friends that you should be, you know, getting your screening because screening does save lives. And you're going to hear a little bit in the show about how um, screening did make a huge difference. And uh, I got to give a shout out to my friends at, at Medtronic. The, the Peak Plasma Blade is a device that I use for my surgeries. Um, that's how uh, Suzanne and I actually met. Um, and if Tom DiGiuseppe did his job, everybody in Medtronic Advanced Energy is listening to the show right now. So, DiGiuseppe, if you didn't do your job, you were in big trouble, dude, because uh, um, now I, I've got your boss sitting right next to me. And um, <laughs> anyway... Um, I met Suzanne through uh, Medtronic and um, had only met her one uh, one weekend uh, when I was up in uh, New Hampshire for a Celebrate event, which she might talk about. And this was last year? This was, um, it was not in- December will be two years. Okay. And at the time, I was in a physician leadership program. I'm going to really embarrass her right now because I loved the way that she was leading her company. I mean, I was at this event that was so amazing that I came back from that leadership from that um, weekend, and I had to fill out my 20-question questionnaire for a a physician leadership group that I was doing with Holy Redeemer. And so I filled out all these questions. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite drink? Who's somebody you admire? What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote, Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. And um, 
they asked me to put down the, the name of a leader that you admire or that you would wish to lead like. And I wrote down Suzanne Foster. Well, meanwhile, I show up at my first course and like I look over at the desk and there's oh, there are all these beautiful binders and there's JFK and Winston Churchill and, and Gandhi and there's Suzanne Foster's picture. I'm going, what the heck is she doing in this? And then I realized, I didn't realize it, but what they were doing was they were making our binders based on our questions. And everybody's like, who's the chick on Dupree's binder? <laughs> well, she's a great leader well, so, is who she is. And now and, we're, we all know her. The, the iron, I mean, it was just so bizarre because, you know, then one of her sales reps came to the office and saw the binder. He's like, does Suzanne know she's on your binder? I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> she does now. She does now. But let's talk about the story. It's a great story that, you know, that you met and how you met. But let's talk about, you know, what what it really meant um, when you got a phone call from Suzanne in uh, in February. Well, before even before the phone call, um, we had been together two other times um, doing work with the company. And I had given Suzanne a copy of my book like I do just about everybody that I meet. But she actually read it. And um, she sent me this beautiful box, this little wooden box with an engraved um, plaque on the front that says energy everywhere, um, because that was the theme of their their um, national sales meeting. And it was just very thoughtful. She wrote me this this great little note, you know, about because I am very much about there are no coincidences, why people meet and everything. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I'm not sure why we met, but, you know, I'm glad I met you and it's great to have you in my life. And uh, fast forward to last February. So welcome to the show, Suzanne. Great. Thanks. Easy handoff. Right there you there. go. So last February, as she's referencing, um, I found myself after a routine mammogram in the ultrasound room, and the radiologist walks in and says, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You have breast cancer. And I thought, oh, my God. I mean, no family history. No, I went for annual mammograms just out of you know, doing the right thing, never thinking I'd be diagnosed. So you didn't go in there with a, you know, suspect of something. She had a, she well, had food in the front of your car for a, yeah, for a potluck at work. <laughs> yeah, I had, you know, two days prior, I had a mammogram, and then I was called back and said, it just looks, you know, the imaging just doesn't look right. And I thought, oh, this is so inconvenient. You right. know, I've got yes. a meeting at 11:30. I'm speaking to the company type event. Um, had the potluck, had everything I needed, and I thought I got to be out of there by 11. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then he walked in and said that, and I didn't say a word. I just picked up my phone. I texted Beth because, as so she her just name mentioned, immediately popped into your head. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we had been the the irony of all this is, you know, with through Medtronic, we had been strategizing and thinking about breast cancer and how we can change it for the better for women, uh, specifically with a device that we manufacture and sell the plasma blade. So I had been talking to her a lot about the how we enable a better procedure. We had been out training Chinese surgeons. I mean, we had been traveling all over the place together. So I, I knew enough about it. She actually watched me operate. I mean, you, yeah, I, I, there were videos of me operating, so it wasn't like she was picking some schmuck surgeon off the street. <laughs> she, had, she had validation from her sales force that I was actually pretty good in the operating room. She knew what she was doing. Yeah, so when, so when those words came out, rather than me even say anything, I just reached for my phone. I texted her, said, I'm in front of a radiologist, please call me. And 10 seconds later, the phone rang, and I all I did was I took the phone, and I said, hello. She, I think she probably knew, you know, something. I handed it to a, a crossroom. I said, tell her what you just told me. Mm. And they talked. I have no idea what was said. The phone was handed back to me, and she said, you know, can you come to Philly tomorrow morning? Actually, I was nicer than that. I said, get dressed and call me when you're alone. Yeah. Because they had already set her up for a biopsy. I said, if you're comfortable having your biopsy, where you are, then stay and get your biopsy. Like, have it done there. She's like, no, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not good with that. 
And so I, as the world turns, we, I happen to have Friday morning free. I was flying in on a very early morning flight and, uh, that's what started the process. Wow. But it was her 3D mammography, what I was just talking about, the tomosynthesis that picked up something less than a centimeter that a traditional mammogram wouldn't have found. Right. And unless she felt something, you know, that it could have been another year. It could have been till next year's mammogram or the next year's mammogram. You're right. And so that early detection and, and, uh, just, she just had a little situation which she shared with me right before the show about tomosynthesis. And I had been watching, she gave this phenomenal talk to, um, a group of Medtronic women, like 800 women on leadership, which was phenomenal. And you got to watch it. And, um, she did give a shout out to 3D tomosynthesis and what happened after that one. I was explaining how I was so grateful for early detection, you know, because I'm almost through treatment, doing great, and and really just at a place where, thank God, it was found early. Right. And so in this talk, I just said, make sure you're getting your preventative screening and make sure it's a 3D machine because I didn't know. I, I just got lucky. And I didn't know until you both mentioned it to me just before So hopefully show. our listeners are listening. Yes, I want them to are, hear are that hearing message. This. Yes. And then when I got to, to Dr. Dupree's the next day, she was explaining to me that um, most likely because of its size and the type it was, that it would not have been picked up had I not had on, on a 3D, had it, my mammogram on a 3D machine. So every chance I get, I talk about it. But anyway, so last week, I believe it was, I was on stage talking about this to a, a group of women. And when, by the time I got back to my chair, I had an email from someone in the audience that said, um, hey, think you should know that 3D imaging is not covered yet by our insurance because it's still considered investigational. And I thought, well, that's bull. I mean, that can't be the case. And um, sure enough, by the end of that day, we had reached out to uh, our insurer and got that reversed. And now 3D imaging is fully covered for all women under our, our plan. Under your plan, but we have to, you know, try to get it to, to ch- and, and do you think it will? Do you, it, it's it will going to. This universal? Is, here's what happened. Years ago when we had analog mammography, initially we had this issue with digital, and then every time we get that next level of technology, it's it's almost like, you know, somebody has to pitch a fit to create enough ruckus right. to push the envelope. And it takes people like Suzanne, who basically went to our company and said, listen, we've got to be accountable. Like, these are people's lives at stake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we have 3D tomosynthesis at, at Holy Redeemer. We I pushed for it years ago. And um, we've had it for several years now. And initially, it was like, well, this is a lost leader. We're not going to make any money, so we're going to save lives. Same thing that happened with whole breast ultrasound. And I just had my third patient who all of, her, all of their imaging was negative except for their whole breast ultrasound. So that, you know, to me, were those three women's lives worth it to buy that machine? You betcha. Well, it's and almost like the, the the other, you know, the imaging that we typically get is not effective. It's not being efficient. It's, Why not, wouldn't- it's not that it's not effective and it's not efficient. It's that, you know, our breasts are three-dimensional objects. Mammography is a two-dimensional study. Okay. So what the tomosynthesis does in the ABUS, it allows us to look at things three-dimensionally. So it's a much more um, robust study because it lets us tease apart the tissue so that we can actually get a better view. Got it. But, you know, suffice it to say, Suzanne got her studies every year, no family history, 44 at the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, had her kids at the right, did everything right. Yeah. And you know what? It just happens. Breast yeah. cancer shows up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to say she is, she is like rock star patient. Absolutely wonderful. And uh, I, we were great friends before, and it has become an, an amazing journey. And to actually have someone who heads a company 
who makes the device that we use to treat breast cancer. It's pretty surreal when you think about it. It is. It is. And And what's what's even more bizarre is she's been in this business for a while. She was never in the surgery that she had done on herself, and she's been in the OR for hips and you name it, ortho, ortho procedures, but had never been in there for this, for like for a bilateral mastectomy. And to, to not, you know, I told her, I said, now she'll come back as a guest so she can watch what we do if she wants to. Mm-hmm. But that was, it was kind of bizarre because she brought that up last, uh, last spring. She said, you realize I've never gone to the operating room to see this. How bizarre is that? Mm-hmm. Well, know? and kudos to Medtronic for responding to you, you know, yeah. after learning that and, and, and just saying, okay, you're right. We have to be an example, and we have to cover our employees. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. great outcome there. Yeah. Great company. Yeah. Um, well, I want to I give the listeners a, a little bit better sense of you and your background and where you came from and how you got to be um, where you are with Medtronic. And I want to point out your, your education because it's substantial. And, and as I said to you before the show, I think it's the three degrees that you have are really um, incredible and must make such a difference in your role as a leader. So um, you got a BA in communications from the University of New Hampshire. Um, you also got um, a, a master's in psychology, and you are an attorney. You got your law degree from uh, Suffolk University Law School. Did I pronounce that right? I never know if I can pronounce that word. And, uh, and then a master's of law and health policy from Harvard School of Public Health. So that's a She's lot of school That's a lot of, yeah, I'm feeling a little intimidated. <laughs> I'm sure of myself. Um, but I, you know, Tim, that tells me right off the bat that you're someone who is curious and, you know, um, innately wants to learn. And what a great quality that is. But I want to go back. So your BA in communication, was there a time when you were a young girl that that was an industry that you thought you would pursue? Yeah, I wish it was that well thought out. Um, <laughs> not, not in those early Checking years. The yeah, um, the short answer to that is not really. I mean, it, it was one of those things. My curiosity probably hurt me a little bit because through undergraduate, I just took courses in pretty much every department that existed, trying to find out what most interested me. And it was probably the beginning of my senior year when I had to tally them all up to say which degree can I graduate with. Um, to, to be out of here in five years because I want to go on and get a master's, you know, type of thing, but I needed to figure out what what I could do. There was a part of me, in, in all honesty, that was intrigued with some kind of investigational journalism or um, reporter type something or other, you know, just going out and trying to find the story. Right. Yeah, um, like Sue Rocco like does. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. yeah. And I had that same that same dream. So there, there was that part. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it was a perfect undergraduate degree for going on and, and going into law and social work specifically. But it wasn't as well planned in those early years as they were later in my life it's become. Well, I would say most young people don't have everything well planned. You know, life kind of takes its turns, twists and turns, and things develop. So, um, But you were born in Chicago. Um, you were the oldest of three siblings, and uh, and then your family moved to Boston. What took the family to Boston? Sure. So my mother is from Chicago, and she met my dad. He was a sailor, and they met at a dance, you know, one of those sailor dances, supposedly, at Navy <laughs> Pier. Uh, one That's of those romantic. Things, yeah, met, yeah, met a couple weeks. Next thing you know, he took off for a year. They came back and got married, and took off for another year, and when he came back again, he had a four-month-old baby and a new wife, And um, but he was from Boston. Okay. So he picked her and me up in Chicago and brought us back to, to Boston, where he was from. Yeah, what a great, great city. 
Um, and uh, I, you now live in New Hampshire, and you're married, and you have two boys of your own. And feel free to give them a shout out. Oh, they're fabulous boys. You, you better you better shout them out. Yeah, I better shout out all three of them. So to my husband, I'm married 19 years. My husband Steve, and then I have two boys, Wyatt and Garrett. Wyatt's 16. Garrett is 14. He wanted a shout-out. He wanted me to mention that he's a fantastic hockey player. I heard that, actually. My <laughs> oldest one wanted to mention that he's a football lacrosse player. They both go to Phillips Exeter Academy. Um, so two freshmen and sophomore this year. And they are, un- they are just amazing, amazing young men. I have to tell you, I... Uh, I, I look at them and I, I mean, I see qualities in them that I see in our kids, which our kid, my kids have those qualities because of my husband, Joe, and his amazing ability as a father to parent these kids. And Steve's the same way. Like we, we lucked out. Ironically, you both had no, the two we, boys. we totally, yeah, but we totally lucked out. We picked the right guys and, uh, they are, they are both good really dads. good boy dads. Yeah. They're both great boy dads. I say that a lot. There's two things I think that our boys specifically have have benefited from and it's um strong great boy dads who have elected to stay home at some point so my husband elected to stay home with them when they were probably around eight or nine in that range and he's been home with them since and i think that's made a huge difference for us and we're hugely fortunate to been able to do that but i think the other thing a lot of women talk to me about when they have young children and they they go through that dilemma of should i be a stay-at-home mom and or should i work and you know, the advice I give them is that only stay home if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But if you want to work, I don't think you're sacrificing having good children. In fact, I think that um, especially boys, maybe girls, I don't know, I don't have them, right? But especially boys, they see their mother's work and they see these competent, strong women. And I think they learn so much from that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That that's benefited, I think, both your your boys oh and absolutely it teaches them i think respect for women sure women as her, wait her first of all her son wyatt how cool is this went to cabo and immersed himself in spanish because he knew he needed to do something different to get into this prep school he wanted to go to wow and so i mean how cool is that yeah that's very and it was cool. his idea yeah he went for a year well, and you, you do a lot of traveling with your with your oh, job. Yeah. Do you have the kids had an opportunity to travel with you? Yeah. I mean, there's there's been times in my career where, where literally I've had to, you know, have my family meet me on the road, right, so that we can see each other. So it's But it's been great. I mean, we've been fortunate that we've got to see a lot of the world that way. And, you know, when I'm home, it's great. We have good town time. But sometimes you just got to have them meet you wherever you are. Right. And that's yeah. how we create family time. Yeah. And uh, we have to get her home Wednesday so she can get to uh, – Wyatt's football game because he's going to be the star Mom running back be in the there. JV squad. So we're going to let her get home on time. Um, I want to note you do a lot of speaking um, for Medtronic, but also to women um, about the topic of leadership. And I, I'd like to know. I just want to step back for a second and, and ask you if your um, this experience that you've had with cancer has changed at all your view or your philosophy. In other words, when you speak now to women and you give advice about leadership. Has it changed from this experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, how can it not? I've, I think just me personally, have you come out of this experience a much better, stronger person. Um, it grounds you. It, it humbles you. Um, so I think from that perspective, no matter what it is, my work or speaking or parenting or whatever, it's it's I'm grateful for it. Let's just say that I've gotten to a place where I think this experience has made me um, much more insightful about what I have to say. But the the advice has changed more in line with 
it, and it sounds cliche, but, you know, just about the present. Like, I've noticed myself a lot more when I meet with people, let's say I'm in the office and someone comes in, and, and a year ago they'd come in, and in the back of my mind I'd be sitting there saying, okay, I've got to make this call in five minutes. I got these 10 emails, you know, right. can you, can you kind of hurry it up? You know, I'd feel that anxiousness sometimes. Always thinking about the next. And you're not yeah. really sitting and listening to what they have to say. And I've, I've really made it a practice of when they come in now, I'll turn my, I'll shut my computer screen down. I'll turn over my phone and I'll just sit. And I just, I don't feel as rushed or as, as like, I have to get to the next thing. I'm like, this is most important right now. Yeah. And if I can't, let's assume I do have a call in five minutes. I'll just say, Hey, you know what? I'm really interested in sitting with you. Can we do this later today or tomorrow? Yeah. If I can't give myself of them now. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of people, you know, we've gotten into this trap of multitasking and being on the phone or, or texting or whatever at the mm-hmm. same time that we're trying to spend time with somebody. Yeah. It, that really is a gift because I think what it does, it, it's, allowing you to not feel um i was talking with a friend of mine the other day about everything feels urgent Mm. everything we do the smallest tasks we're always moving with this sense of urgency and what is the rush and when you're really thoughtful and you make yourself slow down life feels so much better doesn't it you're just (laughs) more relaxed and i feel that way i've been joking with with a lot of people that I'm late now for everything. I used to be early for everything. <laughs> my dad was the type of person you'd be there like 45 minutes early for things. I mean, it was, a, it was I know crazy. That. My dad was also. And He's so from- I was always early, early, early. And then lately, over the last six months, I'll, I'll walk in. I'll be like, new me. I'm just late because I took my time. I talked to someone in the supermarket this morning for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I took the time to look around, look up at the sky, you know, take note of, you know, what's happening around you. So what? One of the really cool things that I got from I was, uh, Suzanne did this great talk last week, which um, her Brett, what's Brett's job? Uh, marketing communications. Okay. Brett, Brett Cromwell. Brett, Brett Cromwell, who's in charge of marketing communications, he gave me the little stick drive with a million megabytes of of Suzanne. And um, what was so cool it was about women in leadership roles and um, the, the founder of Medtronic, Earl Bakken, who he's just he loves women in leadership just loves women in leadership and here's this fabulous 91 year old living in hawaii and you know he could be kind of like hanging out watching the waves that he is pushing you know women in leadership and one of the coolest things that you said at the end of that talk was that you know you know i'm looking forward to the day when my granddaughters there's this concept of women's women leadership it's not a big deal because it's everybody in leadership it's not women in leadership right and that was just such a great ending to that whole hmm. lecture. And you did a fabulous job, by the way. I, I was really proud of you, I just have to say. Thank you. I mean, I, I think, you know, coming up through law firms, you, you get pushed into these check-the-box types women's groups, right? They feel like mm-hmm. they have to have them. And I've served on those, and they really have no meaning, and you don't get any resources, and you think, well, and it's a bunch of women. And, and I think to myself, well, where are the men? I mean, isn't women in leadership kind of a man and women issue? Mm-hmm. All the studies show, the business cases have been made, that proportional men and women on a team outperform a team of even more talented just men or just women. So, I mean, I think the business case is made, but why isn't this a, a human issue and rather, you know, women in leadership? So and my it, point was that at some point I would imagine, because I see, I'm optimistic when I see these young girls, they don't see the world 
they they don't see it as an issue. So right. it's going to change. It is going to change. But there's still a lot of work to do. It is going to change. And, and But it's it's interesting to me be, that there are so many um, women's networking groups and initiatives and books that are being written. There's a lot happening. I say to Beth all the time, it's such an exciting time for women. It really is. Um, but yet the statistics, which, you know, that's not my forte, when I read them uh, and they say we still have so far to go, Sorry. why is that? What, it, what are we not doing effectively to make change? What is your opinion on that? Well, two things. I mean, I think the pipeline's there, so it's going to be just a matter of time. I think all of, you know, there, there's global initiatives happening that are going to going to change it regardless of what we do. So that's coming. There's mm-hmm. a pipeline of very talented women who believe in their capabilities, you know. But the other thing I think that has to happen is if you think of it as um, like a game board and, and pieces, I think, you know, we're the pieces of a game and we, we sit on top of a game board. That game board still has to shift. We're being asked to play on a game board that's been designed by men, for men. The rules are for men. And so until these workplaces change some of the workplace rules and the ways they go about hiring talent, retaining women talent, mm-hmm. you know, women just want different things. And right. it's not good or bad. It's just, you know, we need more flex time. We get the job done, but we can't really do it within the nine-to-five parameters because we have other responsibilities. So until that game board changes... And that's going to take policy changes, right, and, yeah, and different right. workplace processes to be put in place. Right. And that's, that's what we should be advocating for. That's a great visual, really, to kind of see the big picture. Um, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk more about Medtronic and your role there and, and what Medtronic is doing. We'll be right back. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography, an automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Uh, I'm in the studio today with both Dr. Dupree and Suzanne Foster. And Suzanne is the Vice President and General Manager for Medtronic Advanced Energy, which is a medical technology services and solutions company. So it's a company that is um, basically manufactures um medical devices, um, and serves multiple fields of, of medicine, not just one. And, and what I've learned is that um, your key areas are cardiac and vascular, uh, diabetes, restorative therapies, and then there's Covidian Group, which is a company that um, Medtronic has partnered with, I guess. Um, let's talk about let's talk about those four different areas and what your main focus is. But one, I'd love to know kind of what the um, advancements have been in each of these four areas that maybe the listeners might be interested to know. Okay, sure. So, I mean, Medtronic's a, a huge. Huge company, um, 80,000 employees. Yeah, yeah. with um, so many, hundreds and thousands of technologies. So it, it's hard to, for me to keep track of all of them these days. But to your point, there's four major divisions, cardiovascular um, group, which has all the pacemakers and ICDs and all cardiac type health. Uh, big other group outside of where I am. Then there's the diabetes group with insulin pumps. They do some fantastic work, obviously, for patients. Then the 
which you said COVIDian, it's the former COVIDian group now called the Minimally Invasive Therapies Group, and that was came about as the acquisition of COVIDian, Medtronic bought COVIDian. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, around the time I was yeah. diagnosed, that was what I was going to go speak at that day. Okay. Um, so back in January. <clears throat> and that was a, a huge strategic initiative where what Medtronic offered to the marketplace and to patients and what COVIDian offered, bringing them together, just made a ton of sense uh, for our customers. And they have all kinds of surgical supplies and products. And then the last one you mentioned, Restorative Therapies Group, which is the division of Medtronic that Medtronic Advanced Energy reports into, um, has all kinds of products from um, brain, neuro-type products to spine. Um, In our division, what we do is we have advanced energy products, specifically the Aquamanus and the Plasma Blade, are the two major platforms, and they're used in a variety of surgeries. One is a precision dissection tool. That's the Peak Plasma Blade that Dr. Dupree referenced that was used on me, ironically, Mm -hmm. in a technology that that the Plasma Blade enables, which I needed. And then there's the Aquamanus, which is a broad hemostasis tool for surgery to stop blood loss and increase visualization, things like that. So we're, we're used in orthopedics and spine and breast and neuro, um, solid organ, cancers, all kinds of things uh, around the globe. Yeah. One of the things I thought about as I was reading about not only you but your company was the way technology is moving so quickly. Um, when something is um, created, manufactured, a device in medicine, is there this sense that there's going to be something better just around the corner? How long will this particular device be used or, or sustained before another better, you know, device is formed? And is that something that you have to, you know, um, address day to day as a company? Yeah, I mean, with technology, right, everything does move fast, but a part of it isn't just to come out with the next best technology. I think technology companies, specifically Medtronic, are giving a lot of thought to um, the economics of it, the clinical value. You know, are you really advancing the standard of care before you just go out and make another widget? Right. And so maybe in years past where technology companies were about just coming out with the next revision, I'm not quite sure that that's what healthcare needs, and I think Medtronic is is leading the way in, in saying, you know, before we just come out with the next widget, we need to first, even during the research and development time, we need to first make sure that this is a product or a technology that's going to advance the standard of care, help surgeons do a better job, have have patients alleviate pain, restore health, extend life, whatever it may be, before we invest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're doing all the right things to slow down and do the homework first just before they come out with an, another product that, that, you know, has a different color and maybe just one different benefit or feature. Right. Well, and I think in, health, in healthcare, it's, it's also, I mean, on, on my side of it, right. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a real salesperson friendly office, which, which is not a mean thing. It's just that I, I can buy my own lunch, so I don't need someone to come to my lunch to buy me, come to my office and buy me lunch to have me look at their widget. And uh, my years ago, when I was a general surgeon, I used to put pacemakers in, and I put Medtronic pacemakers. So it was something, I mean, I was very familiar with Medtronic as a company. And um, in 2013, um, the, the sales rep that was there, the poor guy, kept trying to call my office to set up a lunch, but because I wouldn't do a lunch, he was like, and, and they were just at that point, just starting to get into breast care. And um, 
the irony is I, I got this award called the Real Award, and um, it was the Save the Children Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They were all together, and Medtronic was one of the sponsors. And so when I went down to Washington and received this award, and the, I met the guy from Medtronic Foundation, I was like, oh, I said, I shouldn't be such a schmuck. I need to let the sales rep come to my office right. to bring lunch. Well, so they came to the office. He showed me this device. He wanted me to cut a chicken. I was like, listen, I don't care if it cuts a chicken or not. I said, if I'm going to do it, I need to try it in the operating room. And I said, you know, if it slows me down, if it doesn't do what it says it's going to do, and if I can't prove it makes a difference and it's cost effective, I said, I'm not going to use it. And so I went to the OR not wanting to find a new device because I didn't think that I needed a new device. Right. And I ended up finding out a whole lot more because I was ignorant to the the destruction that we were creating with the cautery devices that I was currently using. And so doing advanced procedures, it was like I needed this device, but I didn't know that I needed it. Yeah. yeah. And so it was it was divine. It was divine timing because at a time when I didn't realize that I needed a device to fulfill that need. They show up on my doorstep with this device, and it's really it's we call it an enabling technology because it enables us as surgeons to perform these highly technical nipple sparing mastectomy procedures and just about anything now I use it because it it has such great advantages but it's really funny because I am not i mean I'm, I adopt technologies very quickly, but it's usually new procedures not an actual widget or a device. And so that's why it was so funny because the OR is like, you don't ask for anything, you know, and now you want, you know, you're bringing in these generators. And I was like, <laughs> listen, it makes a difference, you know. Well, it, it's like you always, you know, what Medtronic is doing is focusing more on, you know, these patients and their 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 life and and making it quality of life and you always say getting back to the to the business of care and, and away from what does that I say that we, we need to we need to put care back into health care there you go care back into health care and, and be less focused on the business end of it which is not naive because you have to be you know thinking about the economics of, of things and and business in order to continue doing what you're doing but if your main focus is always the patient and their quality of life then you're doing the right thing so and that's one of the that's one of the things that medtronic does um it's called live on give yeah, on i want to let's talk about that it's a, it's a program that you do live on give on and um it, it really is focused on your patients um, yeah, I think it goes back to the fundamental principles of our founder, co-founder Earl Bakken, who Beth, uh, Dr. Beth, Dr. Dupree mentioned earlier, 91 years old now, living in Hawaii, um, but still very connected to Medtronic. And, you know, remember, he started the company because there was a power outage in Minnesota where a young child who was plugged in needed a pacemaker, you know, and it had to be plugged into the wall. The power outage happened. The child died. Next day, the doctor came and said, can you... Um, design or engineer a battery-operated one so we never have this problem again, being in Minnesota with power outages, right? And sure enough, he did a couple weeks later, and that was the birth of Medtronic. And then went on for years in his career with Medtronic, developing all types of technologies, always with the patient in mind. Uh, In fact, the mission statement, the short version of it, which you referenced earlier, alleviate pain, extend life, restore health, is, is originally from him. You know, it's it's withstand, withstood the test of time and is still the marching orders to all of Medtronic. And so he's gone on now in his retirement to 
uh, with this program called Live On, Give On. I just learned about it a couple of years when I was down visiting him. And essentially what it is is he's the recipient of four Medtronic devices. He has a, you know, a couple of pacemakers he's had. He has a diabetes pump, uh, a pain pump, you know, wow. and, and he says he says that he's had a second life each time. And so he's developed this program that says if you have had, if you now have a second life as the result of being a recipient of a Medtronic device, what are you going to do with it? And he invites people to write to him and write these letters that talk about what they're doing with their second life. And then every night he has one of his nurses read him all of these letters and he picks out his favorite. And what it results in is inviting, I think, somewhere between 20 or 25 of these people to Hawaii for an event every year um, where he spends time with them and thanks them. They talk about what they're doing with their second life, and then he makes a grant of, don't quote me on the numbers, but it's something substantial like 25000 a piece to each of these people to to further what they're doing, whatever oh, it may wow. be. So it's a, something out, non, not necessarily a personal story of just living better, but what they're doing you know, to for others. It for has others. to be, right, Got not it. just personal betterment, but yes. I mean, what are you doing with your second life to make the world, society a better place? Yeah, that's terrific. Are you familiar with any of these particular stories? Is there one that you could share with us, or, or are you not able to, you know, uh, see these letters, hear about them? Oh, they're all on the Medtronic website. I mean, oh, rather okay. than from me, you can go on there and you can read about um, patient stories, global heroes. You can hear about uh, some of the live on, give on um, impact stories. Right. And they're, they're all up there, but yeah. they're all people who have, you know, from around the world to their global, yeah. who have in their villages or in their, you know, places of work or whatever have taken on initiatives that are changing the world. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. Her, her own division does a uh, celebrate party for the employees, and that's that was how we actually met the very first time was at a celebrate event in, in December of 2013. Yeah. And uh, I, my patient, um, Sharon, and I were honored there as patient and surgeon of the year. And it was neat because we got to get up and we told our stories of and it was, it's kind of like when you, when you work in a, a business, and um, I say this to sales reps all the time, you know, I said they're trying to sell their device and their product. I said, they're not in the office with me getting the hug from the patient when they look in the mirror. And after nipple spraying mastectomy, they look like themselves. And once they've had their expanders out, they feel like themselves. And they suddenly become um, so grateful and the tears well up in their eyes. I said, the people that work there that package the device, that answer the calls in the customer service, that sweep the floors in their building, they don't see that exchange every day. Mm-hmm. And so when 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 we that's one of the reasons why, you know, I I could hear through the conversations and the the words that Suzanne was sharing with her team, what kind of a leader she was. And that's why at that moment, like after that day, I was like man, I like this lady. She is a really good leader. And if I have to have a role model, I want to learn how to lead where you're, you know, you send out an email to your staff that you've been diagnosed with cancer and you have 500 replies instantly from people sending you love and, and what do you need? What can I do for you? And it was, um, that was pretty amazing. They made videos for her. Yeah. I got through this last year. Um, certainly with, the majority of it was the the what I received back from everyone at Medtronic Advanced Energy or Medtronic, you know, total, but specifically the division. They um, put their big old arms around me and pulled me through this year and kept me positive. And I didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't know if I was going to just disappear for, you know, six months and go take care of this and come back or mm-hmm. if this was going to be a journey that I 
should share with everybody. Yeah. And in that moment, you know, my call after uh, that day when I called Dr. Dupree and then my husband, my family, and the next thing I decided is uh, Brett Cromwell again. We mentioned him. We sat down and we wrote an email to the whole company and said, okay, you There's know. There's a deal. Well, that's another great example from a leader, right, to to show that you're, you know, in spite of this adversity, you're going to continue to try to, um, you know, get up and be purposeful every day. And well, I was so thankful I did. I mean, I didn't do I didn't do it at the time expecting, you know, in return that that's what would get me through. I did it so that maybe there was a ripple effect here of, you know, someone being diagnosed early or, you know, sharing sharing this maybe in some way it helps them but what i got back in return was was so much more yeah and that's that's gone to our whole culture of our company we've won best place to work now two place two years in a row the first couple years we applied so it wasn't even like we've been applying applying we we put it out there we won best place to work and i think it's our culture of transparency but even more importantly it's this culture that beth talks about of um the patient you know even when we talk about we're business, right? We have to talk about revenue and EBIT mm-hmm. and bottom line, but we translate it into the number of patients. Like, so Medtronic, for example, as a total, I think the new statistic, statistic is we help every second, we help it's either two or three patients. And wow. with Medtronic Advanced Energy, we, we talk about in terms of this year, we'll have helped 600,000 patients. Wow. And I think that's what, even in Portsmouth, like if you're in quality or regulatory and, you know, you're you're working through papers, you ne- to Beth's point, you never really see or get that hug from that patient like me who's so grateful that I was able to have a procedure that our technology enabled and what a difference it made. So we bring those patients and those doctors back once a year to tell their story so that we can keep it front of mind of the difference that we're making in the world, that this isn't yeah. just a business venture. And it's brought us so close, you know, we're much closer for it. Yeah. I think we need to nominate you for patient of the year this year. I don't <laughs> no. know who's in charge of that, but who's in charge of that? Who's in charge of that, Tito? <laughs> no, they, they're so kind in my company. I've been patient of the day, like for the last <laughs> 365 that I'm, I'm good. That's a total validation of your leadership and who one you of, are. One well, of the cool you, things but... that I found out this weekend, we do a lot of physician education and, you know, doctors just don't learn new technologies by reading books and going on the internet you know everybody i I joke about that about you know googling yeah how do i how do i do this surgery.com but physician education is is really big because there are um less um disruptive ways to do procedures that treat cancer but for physicians to learn that it requires time away from work and it requires education and and um we found out just recently i think we've trained close to 600 surgeons over the past two years in advanced surgical techniques to treat breast cancer and each doctor could potentially treat two you know 200 plus patients per year you do the math Mm -hmm. it is it's unbelievable how many patients lives that i get to touch now by training their doctors and if it weren't for the educational programs you know some companies are just out to sell devices Mm -hmm. and then there are companies that are truly you know want to educate physicians to be the best they can be and it makes a difference when you work with people that have that kind of integrity and that's why you know we we say it over and over again and i better give helen a shout out because she's probably listening helen merrick is our is one of the the lead um nurses who we work in physician education with. And before we ever did our first course, I said to Dr. Scarlett, I said, 
I said, Bill, I said, I have never seen anybody as like, I said, she's like, she wants the response to the email and we had to have all this stuff done. And then I met her and she's like my sister, Anne, like very detail oriented, but stuff works really well. Like she gets it done and she gets it done without, you know, it's like without a hitch. And to be able to, to bring doctors together in a forum where they can leave and say, this is the best 36 hours that I have spent in my you know, in my private practice to become educated. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. But I love what you said about, you know, transparency for employees of a company your size. What that leads to is really more success for the company because when all of these people on these different levels, as you mentioned, um, are seeing the end result, that makes them feel so much better about what they're doing every day and motivates them. Um, one thing I didn't get to really ask you, and I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, but I want to know what, you know, you, you know, spent some years working as an attorney and you, um, you worked, um, in public health, uh, health policy, I guess. And here you are in this role with Medtronic. I, I want to know what it is about your life story or what, what, um, life experience led you to, to the work that you're doing today. What was it that happened in your life? that made you feel that this was the place for you? Yeah, I, um, interesting question. I mean, I guess a couple things come immediately to mind. I There's not, no one instance, I don't think, in my childhood, you know, where I was wronged or something happened where I was like, oh, I'm going to go advocate for on behalf of this population or something like that. Quite yeah. the contrary, actually. I had a very storybook childhood with, with two fantastic parents that I think the the, the values they instilled in me um, to do the right thing and to, you know, work hard. And I always remember my dad saying, I don't care, you know, what you want to do, work at a gas station, but just want to do it, you know, because everything else will follow. It's just follow your passion was kind of the message from both of them. And so they never, you know, they, they really unrestricted my thinking, if that's even a word, you know, but put me out there to say, just, just do what you like. So keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. So there's that. But my years as a social worker, I think, were hugely defining because it was around the time when um, managed care was coming in, and I was working in an inpatient uh, psychiatric hospital, and you would see these decisions about people's lives being made by insurance companies, you know, either being they were being forced out or the type of drug that they needed or the type of care or whatever. And because I was um, mostly assigned to a geriatric unit, I was working very closely with lawyers at the time because they would come in. There was all kinds of disputes going on, power of attorneys and guardianships and things like that. And I thought, wow, it's pretty powerful work that these attorneys are doing to advocate on behalf of these patients. And so that whole transition from social work to legal was motivated by some kind of patient advocacy type pursuit. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I thought I wanted to do. And and came out on the other side doing something a little different. I did a lot more of defense work where it was um, healthcare organizations were being investigated by the federal government for some inappropriate behavior, you know, False Claims Act, things like that. And so I was defending them. Um, and in my opinion, from these like overzealous investigations, you know, that really when you look at what healthcare institutions or medical device companies, for the most part, not all of them, I'm not saying that there wasn't some bad behavior back in those days, but they're all trying to do the right thing. They're all trying to advance the standard of care and help patients at the end of the day. It's just that they were getting tied up in some of the the regulations at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple bad apples made it hard for everybody else. And so, you know, through that, was able to, to help a lot of good companies come through federal investigations okay. 
and then got the call for for Salient, which was the company that Medtronic bought that had the technology that we now sell. Came um, went to them, another great company with great technology, but more importantly, had some great people with a real startup mentality. And they really, you know, back there in 2008, we felt like we were changing the world. And then um, joined that company and have been there since. So that's how that happened was 2008 joined Salient and then Medtronic purchased us in 2011, I think it was. And then we've been part of Medtronic since, which has been just a perfect match. But didn't you move into human resources? Didn't you do other? What were your other jobs? Well, give me, give me your path. Well, 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 not kind of. I mean, if you want to call it that. So I came into Salient as in-house counsel. I was the first. You know, they had gotten to that point where they had developed a or built a direct sales force, and they needed a lawyer to kind of come in and make sure that they didn't run afoul of any kind of legal requirements or whatever. And shortly after that, our CEO at the time was Joe Army. Um, great guy, and he looked at me one day and said, I need you to run HR. I'm like, HR? I don't know anything about HR. I'm like, I'm a lawyer. Why? 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 Compliance. Let me do it. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, no, no. He's like, you know, people trust you, and and I I need you to take over HR. And I thought, oh, people aren't going to get paid. I have no idea how to (laughs) And he said, hire the wrong people. Yeah, so he said, well, backfill your legal role, take on HR, but you can hire some folks. So I uh, did that, you know, got the right team in place. So I say I took it on in terms of I hired the right people. That's what I Good. did. And then as soon as I got that accomplished, he said, okay, now I want you to take on manufacturing. I'm like, manufacturing? My God, what am I going to do with this? And it was it was because of him. He was the spark that moved me from you know, I always thought my career would be in law, that I'd be a lawyer, and I was very happy being a lawyer, and I had no reason to want to change. And it was him that kept giving me more and more responsibility. Again, remember, a smaller company wore multiple hats, but point being, he saw something in me that I, 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 was, I didn't see in myself at the time, and he kept pushing me and pushing me. And every time I pushed back, I'd say to, he'd say to me, um, he'd say, you're a better business person than you are a lawyer. And I'd say, oh, that's kind of insulting, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but I get his point is that he, he really he felt he had le- less respect for lawyers than he did business people. And so he wanted me out of respect to kind of use my legal background and all the background of what I have and push me outside my limit into that that business role. And, and thankfully he did, because well, I, I, I don't think I would have done this on my own. He saw the, the ability in you to connect with people. You know, really, at the end of the day, that's what business is. It's all about relationships. Yeah, and so I it starts with communications. It does. Goes to social work. That's right. A Psychology. little detour as a lawyer. There you go. And you know, now you now you run a company, but you you lead a company. You you don't. It's different. It's it's different when you lead a company the way that you do than somebody just running a company and cracking the whip. Yeah, it's it's being inclusiveness. Servant right? leadership. Bringing, yeah. Run it like a family. There right. you go. There you go. Thank you. Well, I was. Am I the adopted ugly stepchild or something? Where's <laughs> <laughs> that, Doctor Scarlett? No. Oh, no. Shout out to Doctor Scarlett, by the yeah. way. Tell uh, me Dr. about Doctor Scarlett. He's her fabulous minutes. plastic surgeon. Well, her, yes. He's, he's Can I tell the story? Please do. Okay. So they. Is it do- here or she? Doctor Bill Scarlett, uh, plastic surgeon. Yeah. I hope he's listening to. Uh, wonderful man and partner with Beth and, and a lot of these procedures, and so they teach our sales force and a lot of our customers. And so this past May, after my diagnosis, I was in between, I was in the middle of chemotherapy and I got a pass to go down to our sales meeting in Arizona. 
It was the first trip I had made out since I was diagnosed. And Dr. Dupree and Dr. Scarlett were coming in to train our sales force, and they showed up. They, the told, two of, they told us to pink out the event. Just That was the message we got. Well, yeah. Is that a photo of you with I, the pink hair? Yes. Okay. So they yes. show up. I'm there. And not only did my sales force, the sales force, you know, they were so wonderful. They all had a lot of them pink ties and things like that. But the two doctors show up to the event with bright pink <laughs> hair. And they're up on she stage training. Gorgeous, by the way. Yes. I, I think she should. I've seen she that. Looked, we, we, she looked we'll fantastic. We'll post this on the website. Let's do it. because uh, my, but, my friend said that he looked like a Lego minifigure and I looked like a hot babe. But that's just the guys I work work with at work but his his pink turned out a little bit pinker than very pink my pink mine only lasted three months so yeah so not only are they great advocates and teachers for you know all of our customers and our sales force but they're you know i said the two best doctors i mean when do you ever get your two surgeons to show up at your event with pink hair i mean that's some that's some good bedside manner right there right Poor Bill, Bill had a couple of patients like in the next week, many doctors and, and <laughs> their wives and, and they're kind of looking at him and he didn't always explain it right up front. Everybody just thought, Oh my God, Dr. Pierre, your hair is so awesome. Pink. And like, are you going to, are you going to keep it like this? I'm like, no, but it's not washing out. Michael said it would wash I, I'm out. I'm trying to be, picture myself as a patient, just kind of lying there and this doctor coming in with the bright pink hair. Everybody and, liked my pink. I, you know, I was thinking I could pink again. You could sometime. pull it off. No, yeah. I'm not kidding. You, you could do it again. You could do it again. Um, Listen, we have about one minute left, and I, I always like to ask, you know, my guests, just for one last um, bit of advice, for if there's a woman in the audience listening, and she's really, you know, wanting to take that next step uh, to advance her own career, what, could, what message could you leave her with? Um, I guess just confidence. I mean, somewhere, somehow, go find the, the, the people you got to talk to. I think a lot of women still struggle with raising their hand for that next big role. You know, I, I've benefited from people tapping me on the shoulder and pulling me up mm-hmm. because there's been times when you sit back and you think, oh, you'll do a good job and, you know, someone will notice you and, of course, you'll get that promotion. And I don't, I think we're learning that women just kind of expect it to come where we have to be a little bit more aggressive and just put ourselves out there. Yeah. You know, or who cares? assertive, right? We, yeah. You don't have to I be... have trouble with that still, you know. Yeah, well, in your own way. Have, she really needs to be pulled and yeah. pushed and prodded. You don't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be that aggressiveness. Whatever no. that assertive looks like for you, but just, you know... It's confidence. It's okay. Take take it on and, yeah. and go see, dream about it and see if you can make it happen. Yeah. Great story. I, I'm so glad that you were both here her. today. I love her, and I love the way you came together and, you know, what, what came it's about. It's really good. inspirational. Well, we, we've got a lot of great work to do in the future, too, because, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. And if you want, you know, put some powerhouses together, and then you put passion behind it, and uh, that's that's how you create change. I'm excited to watch. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. And again, my guest today was Suzanne Foster, Vice President and General Manager for Medtronic Advanced Energy. And and you can go to Medtronic.com to get all kinds of further information. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.